Well, good evening to you all. Mm-hmm. Nice to see every one of you. And uh, nice to spend time worshiping the Lord, isn't it? I think uh, there's nothing like it. Now, I've been uh, sort of thinking about uh, tonight's service and wondering what then we want the Lord to tell us or show us from His Word. I think the situation that we're in is um, uncharted territory. And I suppose the uncertainty of the hour is great. Uh, at the moment you know I was thinking about things that I've done in the past obviously um, to, as, is there anything that I've looked at that would um, sort of speak into the uncertainty of the times that we are in at the moment and I don't think there's anything more uncertain than the passage of scripture that Sophie read to us uh, tonight uh, of course we looked at this in much detail uh, quite a number of years ago now on a Sunday morning and I just want to look at the first ever study that we did on the person called Abraham because the uncertainty of this man is incredible I'm going to read the verses that Sophie read and then I'm going to read the report of the verses from Hebrews chapter 11 and there's a little phrase in there that will sort of highlight the situation that I want to to bring to you tonight now the Lord had said to Abraham get out of your country from your family from your father's house to a land that I will show you I will make you a great nation I will bless you and make you a name great and you shall be a blessing I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed and the verse that comes to mind in Hebrews again it's about Abraham you know and it's uh, I'm going to read it from the King James version uh, rather than a modern version because I like the way they put it and this is what it says by faith Abraham when he was called to go out into a place which he should afterwards receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. You know, and that's the phrase. It's the greatest phrase of uncertainty that you can find in the scriptures. He went out, not knowing whither. Not knowing whither he went. In other words, he didn't have a clue where he was going. God told him to go you know there's a a ten, I'm not a poet, a poem person myself, now Nigel would give better poems uh, than me but there is this poem that's quite dear to me uh, and it's by Tennyson and uh, it's dear to me because it was read at my father's funeral and uh, this is what uh, he says I'm hoping I'm saying it in the right meter Sunset and evening star And one clear call for me And may there be no morning of the bar When I put out to sea For though from out our bone of time and place That's a bit I couldn't get For though from out our bone of time and place The flood may bear me far I hope to see my pilot face to face when I have crossed the bar. Mm-hmm. Amazing, that is Roger, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
Right? It took me eight years to find out exactly what that actually meant. The word bar. The word the bar, the bar is a physical bar of sand in shallow waters. You know, and this is the bar that Tennyson was talking about. And he was talking obviously about death. Because this bar could only be crossed in one direction. And of course it represented uh, death. And such a phrase is indicative of what happens whenever we act in faith towards God. Whatever that faith is in connection with, we have to launch right out on God's word. You know, and that's what we see Abram doing here. Now, Abram uh, is supposed to be a great example of faith to us. You know, when we went through this uh, a number of years ago, we saw that Abraham had as many flaws as we've got. And his faith wasn't something to write home about on many occasions. But at least in this instance, he partly obeyed the voice of God. You know, and... Um, this is what the voice of God said to Abraham. The Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country. Now then, here it is. What does he do? What does he do? Because to debate with God and trust common sense would be denying the wisdom, the will, and the power of God. That's if we debate with him. You know, and the problem that we have is that God always seems to give us sealed orders. And these orders are not to be opened until. That is, he doesn't tell us exactly what to expect. You know, and I suppose that that is the biggest um, foreign thing for us, is that we are not told what to expect. Because in every other walk of life, whenever we embark on a venture of any kind, however small or big, if, if it's an holiday or um, a romance or you're buying a car or whatever, we always want to know the next step. You always want to know what it's going to entail. But we don't want nothing to come upon us and sort of shock us or surprise us. We want... Well, I do anyway. I want an easy life. And if I make a decision now, I don't want that decision to come back and bite me in a couple of years because I hadn't thought of something. That's how we are. You know, and that's how we sort of confidently run our lives. You know, and um, I suppose if we were to think of uh, when I was prepared in this, first of all, we had just come back from Israel. You know, and there's a trip of, of trips. It was a wonderful trip. But, you know, none of us would have gone on that trip wondering what airport we were going to go on. Wondering what plane we would catch. Wondering if there would be anybody the other side that would meet us and take us around. Wondering, was, a, was there an hotel booked? You know, would we have our food on time? Was the itinerary set? You know, none of us would have done that. You know, Janice and, and uh, Sylvia, they planned all that meticulously. They told us when they would pick us up. 
They told us what airport we were going to, what flight we was on. They told us that there would be a minibus the other side to take us swiftly to our hotel in Jerusalem where we had lovely food and surroundings. We went from there and did the whole trip. Come home safe and sound and it was a wonderful time. Because that's how we are. That's exactly how we are. You know, and that is common sense. Common sense. To do it any other way is absolute nonsense. I don't think any of us would go any other way. Because to us, preparation is the key. But when we look at this passage of scripture, God's call is not like that at all. Because God's call comes under the heading of a call of faith. You and such faith never knows where it's being led to, but it knows and loves the one who is doing the leading. And therefore, the life that we live, we live by faith, and not by reason or intelligence, common sense. You know, of course, God's call is always a command that asks us. Now, that's a strange thing to say, isn't it? It's always a command that seems to ask us, which means that there is always the possibility of refusal on our part. And we could think, of course, of Jonah, who flatly refused to go to Nineveh, as we heard uh, on Sunday night, Sunday morning. Sunday night, I can't remember which night. More night, I think. Anyway, it make a difference anyway. You wonder. <laughs> and as we, uh, we consider Abraham's initial response, uh, which was to change the conditions a little bit, which we may see later on in these studies, because uh, you know, later on in the studies of, of Abraham, you know, we see that you know, Abraham is like this. He's up and down. Sometimes he's all out for God. Other times he's tried, tries to deny his very existence. Sometimes he's all sort of upright. Other times he's devious and, uh, and sly. You know, there's so many conditions uh, to this walk of faith that, uh, that Abraham is embarking upon. But on the whole, the lives of faith that each one of us expresses has its source and explanation in the father of the faithful, Abraham. He is our example. However flawed he is, however many times he messed up, he is always held up as our example. Romans chapter 4, of course. If you remember going back a couple of, a couple of months, we saw that when, whenever Paul defines faith, he uses either David, who fell apart on so many occasions, or Abraham, who disobeyed on so many occasions. Yet he used them as examples to us. And therefore we look at this part of the scripture and we see our response, or what our response should be to the call of God upon our lives. You know, and his call, you know, with all its limitations and its disobedience, becomes the benchmark for ours and therefore becomes our example to follow. Now, the call of God is a strange beast. It is more implicit than explicit. 
know we got a phrase that may be called the call of the sea now I'm going to be honest with you when people say the call of the sea it means nothing whatsoever to me and I'm sure it means nothing whatsoever to you otherwise we wouldn't be at there we'd be, we'd be on the sea obviously the call of the sea and, but to some people it is irresistible irresistible anyone I suppose in any walk of life the call is irresistible you've got to be out there doing this you've got to be out there doing that you know because the call is irresistible and so with the call of God it means nothing to those who don't identify with it but it, to those who do the call of God actually defines them it consumes them you know and when Abraham put his first foot forward on this great day when he left his country that was his the beginning of a walk of faith that would take him all the way to the end of his life you know it's, it's a big expectation you know because and then, and then of course Abraham was in the dark as to where he was going but the call of God becomes clear as we obey now that, to me that doesn't seem fair it doesn't seem right it's not natural to for something to come clear once you've done it you know we want to know before we do it we want to know where we go in we want to know what we're going to do when we get there we want to know all these things but somehow God doesn't do it that way you know and what he's done what he's doing here he has brought Abraham into a relationship with him and has become almost a partner with him in his purposes you know and I suppose the test of such a call is to know what God wants what do you want God? What do you want from me? It's the first thing Paul asked when he was on the road to Damascus. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? That's the first thing we ask. You want you this Abraham? He just had a call. Go. Leave this and go. Where Lord? Why Lord? When? And to you know to what purpose? And and you know God is saying, look, when you go. I'll show you. I suppose we could say that this is the difference between the children of Israel leaving Egypt who stepped into a parted sea and they went forward and the children of Israel who went into, the, into Canaan who had to put their foot into the water first. You know, once you put your foot into the water it will open. Whoa, now that's not what you did last. That's what you did, not you did 40 years ago, man. You know, you opened it first and then they put their foot into the water. A lot easier. But they've known God for 40 years now. They've seen His power and His miracles. They'd, some of them, not many of them, but some of them had seen the Red Sea opened. And they knew what God, what God could do. But it was when you put your foot in the water, it will part or it will stop. And when you do what I tell you to do, you will begin to understand. Things will become clearer. You know, we would want to spend an age weighing it up. Looking at the pros. 
and the cons. You know, and an awful lot of our time would be looking into it and getting nowhere. Can you imagine? Had Abraham questioned God. Why Lord? Where Lord? How Lord? When Lord? How far do you think he would have gone? Had Abraham had just asked one of those questions. You see the call of God is God's idea not ours. And therefore it is only in obedience that we will ever realize what the idea was in the first place. No, this isn't an arrangement that he's making with us. It's not a bargain. You tell me why, you tell me where, and I'll think about it. That's not what God does. That's not what the call of God is. You tell me where, you tell me why, you tell me when, and I'll think about it. No, that's not it. It's in the doing of, or in the obeying of the call, that it becomes explicit. See, he said in the beginning, the call of God is an internal thing. But when we start to obey, and when we start to move out, and when we start to walk in the things of God, then things become explicit. And the, oh yes, that's it, will come. Wow. Now I can see it. Now I can see it. You know, I wonder if that ever happened to Abraham. Now I can see it. Because he died looking for a city. He was still looking for it. You know, and, and therefore, it's, you know, it, it can be very difficult when you look at this man and you think, you think that he got it all, he got it easy. God spoke to him. Go out and do this and that and the other. You know, but all his life, he was wondering, well, why? Why am I doing this? No, you, you told me I'm going to be a, a large, a massive nation. But I haven't even got a son. And I'm hundred. Francis Crosby says, All the way, my Saviour leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercies? Who through life has been my guide. Heavenly peace, divinest comfort. You by faith in him to dwell. For I know whatever before me, Jesus doeth all things well. You know, we get nowhere if we insist on explanations before we offer obedience. You know, can you imagine when Jesus was walking the shores of Galilee and he says to the men, follow me. And they were to say, where to? For how long? What does it entail? How much is it going to cost? Is it going to be difficult? How am I going to have to leave my family? How am I going to have to do this? You see, the consequences of obeying the call are entirely his business. That's the thing. That's how difficult this passage of scripture really is. The consequences are entirely his business. And the bar can only be crossed in one direction. You know, fate means resignation to an unknown force whereas faith is totally different mm -hmm. faith is committing to one whose character we know because he has revealed to us in the person of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ so it's not fate you might seem like fate put your foot by there and there'll be something under it Put your other foot by there and there'll be something under that. Yeah, but there's nothing there now. But there will be when you do it. 
And you might think, well, that's faith. No, it's not. It's faith. It's knowing who it is that have told you to do that. Knowing that whatever God says, He will do. And He'll put that thing under your foot. And He'll put the next one under your foot. You know what my father always used to say to us, and I've told you a million times before, when you were following Jesus, imagine yourself walking behind someone in the sand. And when Jesus takes his foot out of his footstep, if you don't put your foot into his, you'll miss it. You know, and that's what walking by faith is all about. You know, we saw that in Bible and Biscuits when we were doing Elijah. You know, the story of Elijah is a story of, of faith, one step at a time faith. You know, when he, done, when he went to the, uh, to the palace of Ahab, he didn't have a clue what to do next. What am I going to do, Lord? You know, I need water. I need food. I need to survive. Oh, did I tell him? Pop off to Cherith. You know, and there's, there's a brook there. Yeah, what about food? Oh, I got it in hand. I got ravens coming in from somewhere with some food for you. Oh, that's great. So he sat there. You know, he must have sat there, I don't know how long. But he could see that the river was this wide. And then next week it was this wide. And next week it was this wide. And then it became a trickle. And he's thinking to himself, what am I going to do now? You know, God didn't say, after that, I'll do this. No, he says, go there. This is what we discovered when we then the, the, the story of Elijah. God says, go to Ahab. Go to Cherith. And when the brook dried up, go to Zarephath. Because I get a woman there, ordained, I've ordained a woman to look after you. So he goes off to Zarephath. And of course we know the story. He finds a widow with a son, a stick, a bit of flour and some oil. Who's on her way to find something so that she can bake a cake and die. You know what he's thinking to himself? He sent me all this way. All this way to a woman who got nothing, let alone who's going to look after me. Then of course we know the story. But that oil never failed. That, uh, that flower never, never le- left the pot. It, it just kept on going all the time. You know, but it was a step of faith. One step. But then Elijah put one foot out where there's nothing. And by the time he put his foot down, there was something that was solid. Solid. You know, and you don't understand that if you don't obey. See, the essence of faith is obedience. Because we can all stand up in meetings and say we got faith. Every one of us. I got faith. I got faith. But then when God says, well, put your foot by there, <laughs> and you think there's nothing here, Lord. Yeah, but there will be when you put it there. That's the, that's the lesson that we learn here. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go out of your country. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Now then, the first word that comes to mind is fool. The second alternative is faithful servant. Is he a fool? Or is he a faithful servant? And you can imagine, people that he lived with, his parents or his family, his neighbours, they would ask Abram, Abram, have you taken leave of your senses? You're a fool. You know, and that would be the world view, wouldn't it? Of course it would be the world view. You know, to us, it may become the view of our family, our friends, or even our brothers and sisters. 
You know, what are you doing there? What are you going here for? What are you doing that for? Yeah, but this is what the Lord had called me to do. This is so stupid. You know, there's no end to that. There's no purpose to that. The consequences of that are not going to further the kingdom. Don't be such a fool. Yeah, but God had called me. Sure, God had called me. No, you're a fool. But then, all of a sudden, you realize you are a fool. Because what have you done? I'll tell you what you've done. You've taken leave of your senses. This is what Abraham did. Let's not be you know, beat about the bush. Abraham took leave of his senses and embarked on the uncertain road of faith. He took leave of his senses and embarked on the uncertain road of his faith where particulars aren't part of the plan. Not knowing whither. Now that's the first thing you want to know. Because in you know, which way do you turn when you get out to your front door? Do you go that way? Do you go that way or do you go straight on? Mm. You know, it's stupid. It's idiotic. And that's where the test is. Are you going to trust God to take the next step? Left, right, forward. You know, and that's... Is it going to be a mountaintop experience that you're going to have? Is it going to be a valley experience? Are we heading for success? Or is it going to be failure? Is it going to be trial? Or is it going to be triumph? Mm. Now we know what the answer should be you know we know what the answer must be we know what the, the answer is we hope you know and be it on the mountain top success and triumph our faith has made the right decision and our faith in God will be strong and our words to the doubters would be there I told you so look what I've done in God look what I've achieved what did I do I stepped out in faith and look at all this I got a church of 10,000 people. My name is in lights all over the world. I've seen people raised from the dead. You know, that's what I should have done. I'm glad I've done the step that I took and didn't listen to you calling me a fool. But what if the call of faith is something different? You know, let's go on 40 odd years. And there's Abraham on his deathbed. And he's just about to be buried in the only bit of the promised land that he owned. A grave. His wife was already in there. And here comes his neighbours. And they're looking at him and think, You were a fool. What have you achieved? What have you achieved? That's all you've got is a parcel of land to lay down your bones. And you've got one son. One poultry son. What on earth? You took leave of your senses. And you walked by faith. And it slapped you in the face you know and that's all Abram if you follow the story you'll find he died with nothing except a single seed and when you look at his life he had problem after problem disappointment after disappointment disillusionment after disillusionment it never worked it never worked you know and let's listen to another verse from Hebrews 11 these all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth you see another thing about faith is that not only are the consequences none of your business but sometimes you have to wash your hands of the consequences for they are not your consequences that are important it's his 
consequences that are important. In 1956, a, ma a man by the name of Jim Elliot was called to reach the Wahadani tribe. Mm -hmm. We all know about the Wahadani tribe in Ecuador. He, but he was killed, of course, along with four others. And you think to yourself, what on earth? What on earth? What was the point? Responding to God's call led to Elliot's premature death which is tragic. And then we pull off from the actual event of his death and we take a wider view of the situation and we see Elliot's murderer leading thousands of people to Christ. You know, we heard stories like that quite a number of times. You know, the thing that the church, the kingdom of God, was truly advanced through that call of Elliot. Yes, he didn't know where he was going, he didn't know what he was letting himself in for. His neighbours would say, you've taken leave of your mind, you're a fool. You know, the actual consequences of his life would back up that story. And it seems that Elliot actually washed his hands of the consequences. Because basically, they weren't his business. They were God's business. And that sound might sound harsh. But you see, when we get to glory, and we see an old row of Waterdanians, Waterdanians, I hope there's a sign up. This pair is for the Waterdanians. And this pair will stretch out into infinity. And there's all these people. You know, and there in the middle there will be a man called Elliot. Holding the hand of the man who murdered him. And everything that God did will make sense. And no one will say, well, that wasn't a bit rough. That wasn't fair. It wasn't fair in Elliot. Of course it's not fair in Elliot. No idea that to happen. I told you the story about that family who went to Bible college for three years. They got on the plane to go to their place of missionary and the plane crashed. You know, and you wonder, well, what on earth is all this about? So sometimes we have to wash our hands of the consequences because they're not our business. They're God's business. That's why he says, not knowing whither. You know, obstacles to such a response to God's call can come in a, a number of variety of ways. Of course, I expect Abraham had some mockery and some scorn. I should imagine that there was an awful love, one lot of love, sympathy, and concerned. Why are you going? You've got a lovely life here. You're safe, you're warm, you're fed, you've got family around you, you've got a business, you've got all this and you've got all that. Then there's others, of course, who would say, what on earth are you thinking? Who do you think you are? What sort of God is calling you from the comfort of this place and taking you into the unknown? You see, there's so many ways that Satan can block our endeavour for God. But are we going to allow anything to compete with God for the throne of our lives? You know, and that's a question that we must ask ourselves. You know, we know that from the example of Abraham, that the Christian life is a massive struggle. You know, but it's one worth losing <laughs> if you're going to lose out to God. You know, and that's the question, do I keep my sanity or, do, or my 
desires and things like that, or do I listen to that still small voice and be ready to respond? Here I am, Lord, send me, not knowing whither. That's a big blank check to give to God. Paul says, what? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, Lord? You want to, you know, you know, if, when he knew what he wanted him to do, you, you wouldn't have blamed Paul for turning around and walking away. Mm. I mean, show him. Show him how much he's going to suffer for me. Mm. Says God to Barnabas, I think. Show him how much he's going to suffer for me. You know, not how, man, how many cars he's going to have, or, or camels and endies, I suppose, in the garage. No, this is, this is real life. Real life. So when we think about uh, our call, you know, it suspends our rational thinking. This isn't, a, you know, um, adhering to the call of God isn't a logical, a, a logical thing to do. But, you know, with Abraham, none of us would have been talking about Abraham tonight if he had he'd said, well, look, Lord, I need a bit more detail in this. I want to know that I'm going to get there safe. I know, want to know that I'm going to, I'm going to get some, uh, some mileage out of this. I'm going to, I'm going to make a name for myself. No, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have remembered him. In fact, we wouldn't have known God at all. Because that seed that I talked about earlier, single seed. What have we got to show for it? And I got my boy. <laughs> I got my boy. I got my boy. You know, and then he said, I got my boys. <laughs> and then one of them said, I got my boys. And then 12 of them said, we got our boys. And then it all went anywhere. And then one person said, I've got my boy. And then Simeon said, your boy is set for the rise and fall in Israel. But a sword will pierce your heart also. I've got my boy. And this is where it comes from. God wanted the seed to come into the earth, to go through this uh, lineage of Abraham, and to come out from the womb of Mary and become the saviour of the world. Oh, if, if Abraham had messed up, that's why he's our example. However flawed he was, there many mistakes he made. Christ came. You know, and what he called God is calling us to do, whatever it may be, individually as a church, whatever it may be, you know, and the future is so uncertain at the moment. We don't know how long we, we might be locked out of this place. I don't know. But one thing I do know, that if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we should fear no evil. For our shepherd is with us. And he guides us. And he guards us. You know, and he makes us sit down in green pastures. And he makes us sit down at the table of our enemies. You know, and um, one of the things that, that have uh, sort of impressed me this week is, uh, is the fact that I would say that in South Wales this is the only church that's open tonight. I don't think there's any other church that's open. But there's a verse, you know, of course God, Jesus tells us that uh, 
we are to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature you know and um, very often we preach the gospel to each other you know and, uh, and over the last couple of years people have been saying the gospel needs to go outside the building the gospel needs to go outside the building you know and the verse that has come over to me strongly since this uh, this virus uh, sort of problem is the verse in Acts chapter 8 in Acts chapter 8 all the Christians were in Jerusalem now God, Jesus had told them specifically to start in Jerusalem and go to Judea and then go to Samaria and then to the uttermost parts of the earth so there's a, a going out like a starting there and going out but of course what happens when you start by here you get very very comfortable you know and I can remember when when we um, sort of set Gilvach, when we had a little uh, mission in Gilvach, and we were going to set them on their way, they're going to become a church all of their own. And there was about 12 or 13 there. You know, when they went, we withdrew, this church withdrew, and let them have autonomy and just get out and reach Gilvach for themselves. And in the beginning, they, they were great. And then I, about a year and a half later, I, was, I spoke to them, and they said, the trouble is, we're quite happy as we are. And if somebody comes in, we, you know, we don't, we don't really want to open up to him. You know, and that's what happened to the, with the disciples in Jerusalem. Go into all the world, from Jerusalem to Judea, from Judea to Samaria, from Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. Aye, but once we're in Jerusalem, we're quite happy as we are. So the Bible says in Acts chapter 8, because of the persecution... All the Christians in Jerusalem were scattered abroad. You know, and let me tell you this. If you are not going to follow the plan of God, then he will throw something in that will disperse you. I'll tell you that now. And that's what happened with them. It happens all the time. We get comfortable in our little positions and everything is lovely. And then all of a sudden, a stone comes over the top and phew, we all scatter. And that's what have happened. So what have happened now. Because you put the Facebook on and all you'll see is pastors speaking to their flock. You know, when I've been preparing, and, you know, I've been in makeup all day tonight, I've got a shave and everything. Because I looked at myself online and I thought to myself, well, nobody's going to listen to you. Because David's pastor was on this morning and he was all groomed, you know, mind you, he is bald, so he didn't have to worry about his hair. But, you know, he was really packing up. But if I looked like him, I'd be happy, but when I put my face on it, it looked, well, you could see every crack, Roger. You know, and my hair looks really, I look, well, I look bald, apart from this bit sticking up like that. But, but the, everyone, Elim, Elim in um, uh, Dowlas, pastor there, you know, the, the, one of the boys that comes to the course, he's preaching in, in the Eath on Sunday morning, and they're allowing 10 people in to a thousand seater church and he's going to be preaching live to the congregation that exists but of course when you preach to the congregation uh, of your church everybody can see everybody can see and, and that's what's happening that's the, what I feel my sis, sister Joyce asked me the, this morning have you got a prophetic word for this as if I got you know as if I'm flesh with prophetic words and, and that's the, I said that's the only thing I can see is that the gospel is more released into the community now 
than it has been for years. You know, and if that's the outcome or the consequence of this virus, well, it's a really good thing, in my opinion. But do we do that? Do we? Of course, we do. We we are there to follow the leading of the of the Lord, and I'm sure that as we we have a little chat after uh, we finish our service today to see how we are going to go on, because as I said, I think I do think there is another church in the valley in South Wales, perhaps, that have not uh, officially shut their doors. So we'll have a little chat afterwards and uh, and see where we are going to go as a fellowship. For his name's sake. Amen.